This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us, remove your masks, live your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I am Kim. And I'm Tia. And today we have a guest with us and so excited for this conversation and to see where this goes. So today we have with us Dara Kurtz, and she will share her bio in her own words in just a moment. But I will start with our quote as we normally do. And this quote is from you, Dara. So that's apropos. Um, So the quote is, listen to your heart. Listen to that pull you might feel inside yourself and be willing to go down a new path. You never know what you'll discover or find. That's from Dara. So Dara, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to share with our listeners and viewers a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I love that quote. And, you know, I think it kind of encompasses my story. So it's, I love that you shared that quote. I am the creator of crazyperfectlife.com and um, an author. My most recent book is I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss and Love. And I'm a speaker, a mom, you know, all the things. Love it. And I love the title of that book. Oh my God. I said to Tia when I saw it, I love that. So I'm interested in hearing more, but Tia, you are going to ask a question. Yeah. Just to start us off, just because your story is so powerful of where you are today (laughs) and how you've taken your experiences and created this amazing podcast or Ah, blog that you have and the books. Do you mind sharing just some of your story and your background? Because I think it really will will resonate with so many people. Sure. So I think my story is really kind of a lesson in that life is not linear. (laughs) You know, if you had asked little Dara a long time ago, I would have said like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, you know, everything's going to just work out perfectly. And it's all going to be like clean and neat and linear. And um, I mean, as we all know, life is messy. And, um, you know, there's so many things we can't control. And we just we do the best we can. But a little bit about my story. So um, my mom passed away a few weeks after I had my first daughter and my mom was my person. Um, She was, we talked every day, we were super close. And then I found myself in this space where I was thrilled to be a new mom, but absolutely devastated at having lost my mom. And I was in my late twenties I really had absolutely no skills to navigate through that. I was the first person in my circle, if you will, that had really lost a parent. And um, at the time, I was a financial advisor and really successful, you know, checked all the boxes. And so I just sort of dove into back into life. And I always say that grief followed me around like my shadow because 
it really was always there. Um, you know, I would go to a birthday party and see all the other, you know, the grandparents there. And it, I would just feel that sadness just kind of all the time. But life got busy and I was blessed. We were blessed to have another daughter. And um, then when I was 42, out of the blue, one day I heard the words, you have cancer. And uh, at the time, my kids were 11 and 14 and it was breast cancer. But it really triggered me. Um, it brought up a lot of things that I felt when my mom passed away. And I didn't even realize a lot of this until I wrote the book, until I kind of, you know, years had gone by and I sort of processed things. But it was a very, obviously, an incredibly hard time for me, for my family. Um, I was really lucky. We found it early and I had a lot of tools in my toolbox, but I wasn't someone that sailed through chemo and I needed to be as aggressive as possible. And it was just, you know, one of the, the most challenging times of my life while trying to show up and be a mom to my two daughters. And it was one of the most challenging times of their, of their lives at that time, of course. Um, so then fast forward and one day around the 20th anniversary of my mom's death, I found this, I remember that I had this bag of letters in my house and um, we can talk about sort of how, but basically I ended up finding a bag of over a hundred letters that mostly were written to me by my mom and my two grandmothers. And they're the three strong women who really had loved and raised me and they had all passed away. And so I was sort of just in this space of, not really believing that, you know, I found these letters, but also kind of trying to have the courage to open them because I was so afraid that it would trigger a lot of the grief and sadness that I'd worked so hard to overcome. And just one night, finally, I was sitting on the couch and I was just like, screw it. I want to see what these letters say. And I started reading them and I started just sobbing, crying what Oprah calls the ugly cry because I felt like I was having a conversation with my mom. I could, I could hear her words and her voice and feel her personality. And it had been over 20 years since I had gotten to, to really hear her words and, and feel her personality. And it really made me realize just so much about life and loss and connection and, um, you know, how I'm the, the person who sort of bridges my daughters with my mom and how all of us are just kind of, we're a point in our family. Um, and there are people that came before us and people that will come after us. And it, it, it helped me think a lot about traditions and leaving a legacy and being intentional and, you know, so many things. Mm -hmm. So that's my story. Oh my gosh. I am like triggered in so many ways and have so many freaking questions. I'm like, okay, where do I start? Where do I start? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think, I think the first thing I want to maybe ask you is, and maybe it's a two-part question is one, did you go through any kind of formal grief process? Like, did you work with anyone? Did you have any kind of formal grief um, processing? Number one. And then number two, you said, that it was really hard for you to open up those letters for a really long time. And I think I can relate on some level. My mom, it'll be two years in January since she died. And obviously I, I had a much longer life, you know, with hers. I 
was 51 and she was, you know, 78. But I, I literally like in my desk drawer, I have like pictures from when, from the funeral home of her here. And like, when I open the drawer, I can't look at the picture. And, or if I see her face, I like get jolted and I don't like know if that's like a part of not fully processing the grief, you know, and I know in the beginning, like I cried a lot and, you know, Tia knows what I went through in the very beginning, but, and you said even after 20 years, yeah, you had the ugly cry, like, tell me more about that. It's really interesting. So um, I did go through counseling and I did at the time um, join a grief support group through hospice. Um, at this, at that time, you know, I just had a, I just had my daughter. And so I was like busy having a full-time job and dealing with all this grief. And I really like kind of threw myself into work. And, you know, that first year I like was like the top 10 person in my company for production. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look back on that, I'm like, okay, a, a new mom who just lost her mom should not be like that, um, successful. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I kept being praised like, Oh, Dara, you're, you're managing it all so well. And basically what I was doing is I was not dealing with any of it to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. And mm. I think I just kind of got used to not dealing with it. And so mm-hmm. I didn't fully, um, you know, let go of the sadness and pain and, and even now, um, you know, it's been 22 years. There are still times when I am triggered and I find myself, I'm even surprised, you know, recently my daughter, Zoe, who is my oldest daughter, she just had her tonsils out and it's been like a shit show in my, in my house <laughs> during Thanksgiving. And, you know, a 22 year old getting their tonsils out is just not really mm-hmm. A super fun time for anyone in the family. yeah but, but that actually that experience it really shocked me but it triggered me because mm-hmm. I saw like how much I was like caring for my daughter and I was so happy to do it but it, it was making me kind of like miss my mom because mm-hmm. I was thinking like no one takes care of you like your mom is going to take mm-hmm. care of you and mm-hmm. it, it just so I still get triggered and I still have those times when I you know, I feel just such sadness and I've learned to kind of let myself feel all the feels. I mean, it's when we don't let ourselves feel them that we get in a lot of trouble and Mm. it doesn't go anywhere, but stays in our body. And that's not helpful for anyone. Um, And so, you know, I'd still go to a counselor. I mean, my mom was actually a counselor. So Mm -hmm. I think the whole country, the whole world would benefit from seeing a counselor. Um, I forced my daughters to see a counselor, um, you know, at least once a month, virtually. They're both in college now. I'm like, I don't care if you don't think you have anything to say. Show up once a month with your counselor. And because I think everyone, you know, has things that we can work on to be our best selves. But you know, regarding the what you have in your drawer, um, you know, I think that when you are ready to look at that, you'll know mm-hmm. and there's no pressure. There doesn't need to be any pressure. And maybe maybe you should move it to a, a different spot so that you're not opening your the drawer. I imagine you open that a lot. I mean, I it's the <laughs> desk drawer. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe put it somewhere like it behind you or in a different 
face that you're not seeing every day because it's reminding you every day, like, I'm not ready to look at that. And then mm. you're kind of feeling badly about yourself, um, you know, and that's not helpful. So, right. um, but I, I really do think like we're meant to do things when we're ready. I was meant to find these letters in yeah. this season of my life. A hundred percent. I totally believe that, you know, the universe was whispering in my ear <laughs> for whatever reason. And, you know, if I've learned anything, it's that when the universe whispers in our ear, you know, we got to show up and <laughs> pay attention. Completely, completely. Yeah. I love that those letters were just there. And, you know, as you said, the universe whispered to you and you found them exactly at the right time and you were ready, even though it sounded like you were nervous and scared of what would it would bring up within you. You created that space and allowed for that. And, and what wisdom and experience came from that? I can't even imagine reading those letters and how all of a sudden dots were connected and feelings were able to move through you that you've been holding. I mean, to have, I just think of you was a brand new baby being top of the top, like just going, going, going to, you know, as you know, you know, you were avoiding what was there and also surviving, right? That first year with a new baby is surviving. You didn't have your mother there with you for that. I mean, mm. I can only have so much sympathy or empathy for you in that experience. A question I had for you, when you shared your story, you talked about, you know, when you heard the words, I have cancer, or you have cancer, and you moved through and you had your daughters, how were you able, because you mentioned this, to support them and support yourself through this incredibly physically, emotionally, spiritual process of cancer treatment? yet having girls at this age where they really need their mom and they're, I'm sure we're having lots of feelings. So how did you navigate? Like what was your best tool or tools to help you through that? When I look back, yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think I'll honestly say not very well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that I did the best I could at that time to survive, but I was so triggered by everything that I had gone through with my mom and I, and I didn't see it. And so, you know, I remember like sobbing on the table as this amazing doctor did the biopsy and he's like, Dara, you need to prepare yourself. I'm like 99.9% sure this is breast cancer. And I was just sobbing and I was saying like, no, no, you don't understand. It can't be because I lost my mom when I was relatively young and my daughters are 11 and 14 and they can't lose me and this can't be happening again. Um, And I was just like, it was the worst possible thing that could happen. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely did not have the skills to navigate through it. And then on top of that, just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to be as aggressive as possible and I'm going to have surgery and do chemo and I'm going to go ahead and do radiation because why not? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to do genetic testing and thank God, you know, nothing showed up. But I I think that um, it was just so hard for me on a day-to-day basis at that time. Like I felt sick every day. I was so nauseous and losing my hair was devastating. And then my daughters kind of seeing me like that, they were so used to kind of seeing me like put together in my really cute outfits. And, you know, then they saw, you know, this bald skinny woman looking back at them. And 
Um, so, you know, that saying it takes a village. We, we had so much support. Um, my dad and my stepmom actually came here every other week for like four months. And when I had chemo, they literally like came here, stayed with me, basically like took over with the kids because my husband's an attorney, you know, he needed, he was at work and they were just here in the house. And that was amazing. We had um, a lot of friends help us through all of it. I started going to um, not one, but two counselors, but they didn't know about <laughs> each other. <laughs> you were and cheating. I was. But, but like, I it. And um, my daughters had counselors as well. And you know, I think we just, we did the best we could. And I had so much guilt for what I was forcing them to go through. Even though I didn't do it on purpose, I would just look at them and I would think like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to my family? Why are they having to deal with this? And I would feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of one of those things that I finally got to the space where I was like, okay, I can't live like this. I've got to figure it out. And I just, that's when I did so much work on myself. That's when I quit my job. I started Crazy Perfect Life. I started writing. I started practicing Kundalini yoga and meditating every day. And I just really kind of became a different version of myself. And, you know, I think it's very much impacted both my daughters not only because of what they went through, but also because of, I think they've seen me change so much. And, you know, I think they kind of are open to new opportunities as well, or doing work on themselves. I mean, they get that life can be hard and um, that we have choices when life is hard. And, you know, at the time I didn't recognize that. But I do, you know, I do today and I think they do as well. Had to be amazing for them to witness that yeah, transformation I mean, it, in you. Because yeah. it sounds pretty dramatic. Like you literally came to this point. It's like, I need to choose a different way. And yeah, completely. Yeah. Amazing. And, and I, it wasn't until I had this book come out that I really talked to some to my daughters because we would do so many events they're all through the pandemic and they were virtual of course and so like Zoe would be doing them from college and Avi would be doing it she was a senior in high school and we would just do so many events and we really talked about some things that we had never talked about like you know loss of my mom did you feel that do you remember that you know just all these things that we had never really talked about so that was kind of amazing to be able to have some of those conversations what um tell us about some of your books that you've written you said you wrote several books and your most recent one yeah um so my first book is called crush cancer and it has a workbook to go with it and it's really you know the book that i felt like i needed when i was diagnosed with cancer and the first half of the book is sort of everything that i went through but the second half is okay now that you've gone through cancer how are you going to move forward and live the rest of your life knowing that that had happened to you because i really struggled with that like how can i how can I not let fear follow me around for the rest of my life? And how do I make peace with the fact that this happened? And so it's, it's really, I felt like the book that I needed. And then I am my mother's daughter is just 
a book I never planned on writing, but I'm so incredibly proud of it. And it's, you know, for every daughter, for every mother, for your girlfriends, you know, for everyone who um, wants to have a close relationship with the people that they love and care about, but they don't know how. And it talks a lot about obviously my story, but the power of the written word and how to establish traditions and leaving a legacy and, um, you know, just how to, how to create the relationships that I think a lot of us want, but we don't know how to get them. So actually I love that. So let me ask you, how do we create the relationships? How, that I think that's the million dollar question here. How do we yeah. create these healthy relationships that we so want and desire? Like, our, you know, it's in our hearts. We're wired for connection. Right. And then, Yep, we're walking around some of the loneliest people on earth. We have tons of people around us, but we're just so lonely and disconnected. Yeah, so, so many different ways. Um, number one is intention. Like if you want to have a close relationship, then you have to say, okay, I'm actually going to be intentional about it. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to do things every day to sort of nurture my relationships. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like zone out on social media or scrolling through my phone when I'm with my kids or my spouse. I'm going to like actually show up and be present and be intentional. Um, I mean, if you want something, you have to work towards it. It's not going to happen by accident. Another thing is you've got to remove judgment. Like if I feel like someone's judging me, I just put up a barrier and I don't want to have any part in the, in that at all. And if you, uh, so many times during the, these events that I would do, like teenage girls would say to me, like, I want to have a close relationship with my mom, but all she does is judge me all the time. And I don't want I just, all she can do is pick on me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And so we've got to remove judgment. If we want to be close to someone, we have to sort of accept the child, the person, the spouse, the parent that we have and love that person unconditionally. And I think so many times we don't, we, you know, we want things to be clean and neat and we want this person to be clean and neat, but life is messy and we're messy. And so, you know, I would just say unconditional love is so important. And um, then we have to be willing to have these hard conversations. You know, if there's something that happened or that you haven't talked about, or, you know, there's tension, go to that person and say like, you know, Hey, I've been thinking about this and it's really important to me that we talk about this because I feel like it's a barrier or I feel like it's getting in the way of our relationship or, you know, I just feel like I've done something and I want to kind of talk through it or, you know, whatever the situation is, but take some risk and be vulnerable and be willing to have some hard conversations because on the other side of those hard conversations, is where the magic is going to, is going to start. And, um, you know, I can't stress that enough. So many times people are afraid, but you, you've got to ask yourself, like, what's the worst that can happen? Um, you know, if someone's, if, if you go to someone and you say, let's talk about it and they say, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Okay. Then they said, said no, but probably that's not going to happen. But, you know, I would always want to know that I did everything I could to have a close relationship with someone if it mattered to me. And so I'm willing to put myself out there. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's just sort of 
being aware that we have the ability, the choice, the power to do that and that we don't have to accept the situation that we currently have. We can work on it and we can make it better. So I love that response. And then I have a part B to that million dollar question. So this is the $2 million question. We're upping the ante now. Hmm. So, and it goes with your quote as well. Is there a time then, like if you're saying judgment is a big barrier to close relationships, right? Is there a time when, all right, so let me back up. If we take the judgment out, then we're maybe more in a space of open-heartedness because we're not judging the other. Is there a time when we need to walk away from a relationship or do we just keep working hard at being open-hearted and being in non-judgment and, you know, all love and peace and happiness? I love that question. Um, And I have so many thoughts. Um, (laughs) So, and I, I just want to make sure I hit them all and I'm afraid I'm not going to, but you know, there's different seasons. So what I mean when I say that is like, when I was raising my daughters and they're both in college, I, my job was to be their parent, not their best friend. They had a lot of BFFs, but they had one mom. And so I had to make hard parenting decisions that they didn't always like, but that doesn't mean I necessarily was judging them. I was just, I, I was showing up and I was doing my job. And so I do believe there's different seasons for um, relationships and relationships grow as we all grow and we all change. I think your question of, you know, is there a time where, okay, we've exhausted this much energy trying to work on a relationship and we're not being met halfway. Is there a point where we have to accept? Cause I think what you're saying is does acceptance come into it? And we have to say like, okay, it is what it is. And I do 100% believe the answer is yes, because, um, you know, I have friendships that there were times when we were really, really close and, you know, that was great in that season, but maybe I've changed and I've grown or maybe they have and we don't have the same connection. That doesn't mean that I wish that person any ill will and vice versa, Um, but it means that I have to be willing to kind of like let go and release it and make space to meet new people and, 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 you know, to have room to have new relationships. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think accepting that there are seasons of friendships and not everyone is meant to travel through our lives together forever. But I mean, when it comes to like my daughters and my husband and my dad and my brother and my family, I'm going to do everything I can to have a close relationship with those people And at some point, if you're not being met halfway and you feel like, okay, you know what? I've done everything that I can do and I'm feeling badly about it. Yes, there has to be, you know, permission to accept it is what it is. And that doesn't mean that you hold anger or guilt or a grudge because then you're just hurting yourself. So you have to kind of give yourself permission to make peace with that. And it's not easy. Um, but you know, we have to do that for ourselves, but when we hold on to negativity or, um, when our hearts are in a space where we're just bitter and we just, you know, we, we want that person to meet us halfway and they're not, and we can't let go of that. We're just hurting ourselves. And so, you know, at some point self-love has to be sort of the driver in that space. Yeah, I love the different season aspects. And, you know, just that acceptance 
of what it is, you know, because we can only do so much. And, you know, and at some and point, there's that release absolutely. in some situations. You know, and I'll say, you know, just COVID has really taught me a lot about friendships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this has been one of the lessons that I've learned from COVID is that it's been hard for friendships. And I think, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I think a lot of people feel that as well. <clears throat> like some people, their relationships have grown with some of their friends because maybe they viewed things the same way or they, they saw the pandemic the same way or they were making choices that were similar. And then other people weren't and that they were friends with. And, you know, maybe they've grown apart. And so I, I think COVID has really taught us the, that there are really different seasons for friendships. Um, and it just is what it is. And that intentionality behind all of it as well. I love the, you know, the season aspect, you, you just mentioned friends, but also with your daughters and how going and, you know, talking about your book and having these events with your daughters has created conversations you may not have had. And I would imagine because they're both in college, it's really opened it up because you're transitioning into a different parent role, you know, yeah. a different relationship. So you could have those. And I just thought of what did you, you know, so the hard conversations and learning about them in ways that you may not have known, or they didn't know how to articulate to you when they were an early adolescent and what an opportunity to deepen your relationship with your daughters. You know, I love, I always say like, I love the season that I'm in because I want to make the most out of what my present moment. But okay. I, I can honestly say that like, I love where my daughters are now. Um, I love that they're, you know, in this space where they're not, I'm not nagging them about what time they're going to come home or, you know, what they have to get done or, who they're with or, you know, if they've done their homework or blah, blah, blah. Like I'm just, we're not in that space anymore. And, um, we were kind of more in the friend zone a little bit because I'm not raising them necessarily. And, um, so they come to me for advice a lot and we talk at least once a day. Um, and it's just really beautiful and they're super close. And, you know, I think that's the biggest gift that I can give them is, to hope to help to help them see that the relationship they have with each other is sacred and um, you know to nurture it because I want that for them and you know I think it's really important. So one other question I have lots of questions but Did you go to three million now are you in the yeah we're at three million now so here we go three million dollar question. And this is, this is a really should be more like 5 million because T and I really, you know, we talk about this one and struggle. And so if you have the answer for this 5 million to you, <laughs> but so talking about daughters, so I have um, a 22 year old son and a 19 year old daughter, and I do have a really good relationship with both my kids and particularly my daughter, because not more just different because we're same sex. Um, and she's at college. And what I struggle with is in terms of like you were saying about the judgment piece. And like you even said, you don't tell them about their homework, who they're with, what they're doing. And my daughter shares a lot with me. So I know who she's with. I know, you know, I know she's been struggling with one particular class this semester. And then I know she's also like having a good time and going out. And in my, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, I'm judging like, oh, you know, 
she didn't spend, did she spend enough time on her schoolwork? If she fails this class, did she do everything she could possibly do? You know, is she using her gym membership? Is she spending too much time with this one? And so it's, so, and where the question is like, where's the fine line between what is normal, healthy concern, worry as a mom for your child versus is this for me, I'll speak to myself, moving into unhealthy behavior of I'm, cross, I'm too enmeshed, I'm, too, I'm crossing over too much and worrying about what she's doing. And then that energy that comes from me to her, even if the words that's don't out. come out, her out. Yeah, she, feels she can feel the energy of my mom's not okay with everything that I'm doing because she's asking me 50 questions a day about my schoolwork and my grades. And if I've talked to my professor and, you know, right. so she knows what, where I'm going with that. So do you, you know what I'm, where's the balance? What's I hear what you're saying a hundred percent. So a couple thoughts, um, you know, boundaries are, boundaries are a beautiful thing. And, um, I, you you know, that's a word that I'm really kind of carrying into 2022 because I yeah. see more um, every day. But so it's it's her. She's she's in college now and she's working hard or not for her future. Yeah. And the stakes are the stakes are high for her. And so, um, mm. you know, I don't I don't micromanage my daughter's grades at all. Um, I mean, they share with me and that doesn't mean I won't share my opinion, you know, like, like, you know, Avi is my youngest daughter. She's a freshman in college. You know, I can say, you know, Avi, is it a great idea for you to go to that party if you have exams? And then, you know, a lot of times she'll say, you know, I've got this mom and I'll say, you know, okay, because at the end of the day, they know what's at stake. It's their future. It is not for you to do it for them, they have to make that choice. And so to be perfectly honest with you, like I have released all of that. I honestly don't even want to know. Like I remember being at um, a freshman orientation meeting with my daughter and, you know, all the parents and the orientation leader. And I remember this mom raising her hand and saying, um, can I, how do I get the password? (laughs) Able to go in and check my daughter's grades. And I'm yeah. thinking like, okay, what the fuck? And I was judging. Yeah. I was yeah. judging because I'm like, okay, let it go because it's not my future. It's their future. And, yeah. you know, I think my daughters fully understand that they have the choice to create the magic for themselves or not. I can't do it for them. We can, we can help them figure out and, you know, deal with challenges and, figure out, you know, tools or where they can go if they need help. Absolutely. But um, the day-to-day micromanagement of grades and homework and projects and exams, let it go. Set yeah. it for yourself because, you know, you don't need to carry that weight on your shoulders anymore. And I, I think it's healthier for our kids to own that yeah. themselves. I really do. Um, you know, and, and I will say that, when you have a close relationship with your kids, they're going to do things that you're going to, that you're going to see and you're going to think like, okay, that is not a great choice, but um, we have to let them fail. We have Mm -hmm. to let them fail. And I would much rather my daughters fail in college and learn the lesson than later on down the road. 
Um, now, again, I will say to them, you know, do you really think it's a great idea to go out or, you know, whatever I think I need to say, because I'm still going to show up and be their parent, be their mom, but then I'm going to let it go because they get to decide if they're going to go to that party or not, or if they're going to go to the library and study. And I don't want to have any ownership in that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It, it does get messy. And I love what you said about boundaries are a beautiful thing because, you know, it's, and I don't ask her on a day to day. It's when she shares with me, I think I'm failing this class, you know, or I'm really struggling in this class. And then, you know, I think where it comes into, and I think this is where I can set a boundary is, okay, if you fail the class and you lose the grant money, that you have because now you're, you know, now this is $18,000 more a year now that dad and I have to come up with, or if you have to repeat that class and take it over, that's another $3,000 for you to repeat that class. Like that. Instead of going to that space, cause that's really, I mean, that's a fear space. It is. You're afraid that she's going to fail and then there's going to be a financial consequence. So maybe you could reframe it. And what can you do to help yourself not fail? What can you do today to help yourself? Ask her instead of me telling her, which let me tell you, I told you, go see your, go see your professor, go to his office hours, spend time. At the end of the day, like you actually can't do anything to help her pass that class. I can't. She do to, to, to to own it, to do it. Um, At the end of the day, like, okay, if she did fail the class, the world is not going to fall. Yeah. And maybe there's consequences. Maybe she needs to take out a student loan for the amount of money since she failed the class. Like, right? Like we always fix everything for our kids. But um, I mean, I do think when they're in college, they, it's time for them to kind of take some ownership. You know, I'll I'll say, and I hope I have time to say this, but over Thanksgiving, when my oldest daughter was getting her tonsils out, my youngest daughter was home and she had um, like a huge paper due right after Thanksgiving. And she wasn't get she wasn't doing it. She was procrastinating, procrastinating. And my husband was kind of like, you know, why are you not doing this? You need to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, John, why are you doing this? This is totally on her. And I, I was so much happier, like not taking any ownership of it. But I also realized like, I'm, I'm happier when they're at school and they do with their own like school stuff, not in my house <clears throat> so that I don't have to see it yeah, or hear about it in the same or way. Hear about it because it, yeah. it is, it is hard to kind of watch, you know, all of that. So yeah. I, I just kind um, of realized that. So yeah, I love that. Thank you. Oh, we had a similar. Ex- oh, sorry. Our kids don't come with manuals. I know. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. I had a similar thing over Thanksgiving too, because both were home and lots of work and, She's like, I just need to, I'm like, take a break. And then she was saying, I should be doing it. And I was like, should you? You know, and I just remember <laughs> having that same thought. I'm like, it's so much easier when I don't see it, it in my face. We don't feel the, the same way. Yeah. And, yeah. and then on Sunday, she got all her stuff done once I dropped her off because she's back in that environment. And, you know, they need that break. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know why they give intense homework like that over Thanksgiving. I know break. that's a whole, on a whole, that's other, a, exactly. That's a yeah. separate podcast for that sure. Is, I yeah. know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, so Tia has some rapid, unless there's more questions you have Tia around what we've been talking about, or do you want to jump right into the rapid fire questions? Well, we could just continue talking. 
no <laughs> doubt. Yes. And, and yes, but we want to be mindful of the time. Is there anything else you want to share before I ask you the last minute questions? No, no, thank you. This has been so fun. Great. All right. So whatever comes to mind first, trust it. Okay. So we are masks off. So we wear the perfectionist mat, all that. So what's the most prominent mask that you put back on? Which one shows up most often for you? I am a perfectionist. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning daily to let it go. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. At least I can see it. <laughs> exactly. Because once we can see it, then at least we yeah. know. And it can get sneaky, but at least yeah. we know it's there. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Right now? Uh, right now, I would just go anywhere because I haven't been anywhere in like almost two years. But I love Europe and I would go to Europe. It's mm. my favorite. Yeah. What is your favorite way to take care of yourself? Practicing Kundalini yoga. Mm. I found it, or I should say it found me a few years ago and it's changed my life. Yeah. It's, it's probably the biggest thing that has helped elevate me and manage stress mm. and anxiety more than anything. Love that. I'd love to how you even just talk about it. Mm. You can feel it. Yep. Completely. It's not that. just lip service. It's like oh. your whole body and your whole essence. That's, that was beautiful. All right. It's kind of similar where you go in the world, but on your, if you have a bucket list and if you don't, that's okay. But if you do, what would be at the top of the list? Mm. Um, I, I do love every year to kind of like create a bucket list and an anti-bucket list for like that oh. year. Um, I feel like I'm so confused because like the last two years, you know, like, um, but I just, I want to be able to write whatever I want to write and I want it to get published. Like mm. I just, I want it to be easy. And so like my bucket list is to produce a book every once a year and, wow. um, you know, just be able to write it and send it to the editors and like, just get in that space of it not being hard. It mm. just, you know, cause it, it's a hard, it can be a hard, challenging environment to kind of make that happen. But that's for sure my bucket list. Love it. And you've done it. I mean, yeah. you're a published yeah, author. I mean, so but now to have that intention is beautiful. I love yeah. it. Thank you. And the last question, speaking of books, is what is one book, hard to choose, but what's one book that's changed your life? Mm. Yeah. So I'm the kind of person that is always reading like five to seven <laughs> books at one time. Um, always it depends on my mood. And I, I read like, um, three or four books a day, meaning like if I have 20 minutes, I'll sit down and I'll be like, I have book piles all over my house. It's actually becoming a problem, but I, it, you know, um, <laughs> the untethered soul mm. is a book that I really like. Um, book. it's kind of really, you know, I, I think books, they speak to us in the right season that they're meant to speak to us. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say, use that terminology again, but um, you know, like if you have a book that is in your house and you read it like 20 years ago, but for whatever reason, it's still there. And then you're drawn to it and you pick it up. You, it's because it's going to talk to you in a different way than it did 20 years ago. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I love to go back and revisit books, but um, that's just one that's sort of kind of been speaking to me lately. I love that book. Awesome. Have you have you picked it up since it's been speaking to you again? Oh yeah, it's in my kitchen. I have it's, it. It's sitting. in the pile. <laughs> oh, it's it's in a it's in a pile. It's in the kitchen pile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And oh I love goodness. it. And what's so great about that book too, and a lot of them is you don't have to sit down and read the whole, you can just pick it up and like, yeah. oh, I'm going to read this chapter. Or I'm going to read what he has to say exactly. about that. And there's yeah. always wisdom. In always there. wisdom. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show and for our listeners and our viewers, if they want to reach out and find you, how can they find you? So my blog is crazyperfectlife.com. And of course there's links to everything. There's um, five free gifts they can get on my blog to download. If they buy my book, there's links to get a signed copy, you know, just all the things. I'm also, my largest following is on Facebook and it's at Crazy Perfect Life. And then I'm on Instagram as well. And that's at Crazy Perf Life. Um, so, and they can email me, Dara at crazyperfectlife.com and, um, you know, reach out. I love doing virtual events. You know, it's kind of like, are we back to doing virtual events? <laughs> I don't know. Are we doing in person? It's all so confusing, but it is. I love hearing from people. So, you know, if anyone feels called to reach out to me, don't hesitate to. Fabulous. And we will have all of that in the, um, but in the show notes as well. We'll put yeah. all that in there. So easy to find. And thank you both for, you know, all the beautiful work that you're doing in the world. And, you know, I think when we all try to show up and help each other, I mean, everyone wins. So you're definitely contributing to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love the conversation and, you know, go get her book. It's out there. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. For sure. That's right. Yes, exactly. All right, everyone. Have a lovely day. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Dara, again, for being on. It was such a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off.